Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leverett Ball Show. And on this episode, I am joined by Jake Ignazuski. And this is actually our second time attempting to record the Open. Some uh, very obnoxious motorcyclers were making some noise outside my apartment building. But, uh, you know, Jake has worn a lot of different hats. He's done some work as a Red Sox insider. He's worked in arena football, the Massachusetts Pirates. Uh, he does his own podcast. And he's also someone who's outspoken about the topic of mental health. Um, but, Jake, you know, I hope I got at least some of your titles correct. Yeah, you got you got them all correct, and uh, pre- appreciate you uh, saying my or pronouncing my last name correctly. Not a lot of people do that, so that's just why some sometimes I just go by Iggy to make it easy. I tell people, you know, I'm sensitive about names because you know I have the first name Leverett, and it's been mispronounced and misspelled so many times over the course of my life. So, I like bet. anyone with a tough first name or last name, you know, I feel their pain. I try and you know get the names down to a T, yep. but um. You know, I know you've done a lot of different things. Uh, like I said, you've done some Red Sox coverage. Um, you spent this past summer doing arena football with the Mass Pirates. Um, you know, how do you kind of juggle everything? So, I, I mean, I, I've always had a passion for sports, and um, I'm very grateful for, you know, all the opportunities that, you know, I, I've I've gotten over the last uh, three or four years ever since I got into the sports industry. And uh, it's 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 honestly just from just like the passion of me doing it and uh, just uh, it's something that I've always dreamed of doing. And so, you know, I mean, I can't say that, you know, recording five episodes a week uh, covering the Red Sox and as well as uh, working full time for the Massachusetts Pirates wasn't difficult at times. Uh, but luckily, I have a co-host uh, on the Locked on Red Sox podcast. And uh, sometimes, you know, if, if I'm not able to do things or especially during the road trips uh, for the Pirates, that was very difficult, especially when we were, you know, on the West Coast. Uh, but uh, it, it was it was. A learning experience but it's also pretty much like the definition as you know of of working in sports just you know working long hours um doing many different hats and especially as somebody who's still very early in their career uh, i just try to do everything i can to get any experience anywhere absolutely and you know it's a, it's a grind um and you know eventually you know you you get to a point in your career when you know you have a little bit more stability and you know, your priorities change also, you know, if you get married and have kids. But, you know, early on, you know, the only way to really get your foot in the in the door in the industry is to just, you know, grind, you know, struggle, eat shit. I mean, it's 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 not as glamorous as people think, um, right. but, you know, everyone has to go through it. Um, and, yeah, now at the elderly age of 30, you know, I'm, I'm basically a grandfather. But, you know, when I was in my <laughs> early 20s, I was doing all those same things as well. Um, and. I think people don't realize also, you know, you don't make money right away, you know, okay. we, you know, and you have to have a million side jobs and it's, it, it's certainly not for everyone. And, you know, so many people drop out of the industry because of how tough it is. Um, but, you know, also, um, you know, you, you've been someone who's been outspoken about um, mental health. And I think that's great because for one, you know, you have a, a platform as a sports broadcaster, but you know, also, uh, people need to talk about mental health more because mental health is not a niche problem. Mm-hmm. So many people struggle with anxiety and depression, and the suicide rate is so high. Right. A- and so it's not a niche problem, and yet no one wants to talk about it. And so many people who go through mental health issues feel like they're alone, mm-hmm. but it's actually incredibly common. And I think that would help people to know that, you know, just how common it is. And we need to kind of eliminate the stigma of, 
of talking about it. Um, and, you know, I'm someone who's tried to be open about different things I've been through, not to necessarily bring attention to myself, but to try and help people who are going through similar things. And, you know, there have been people who have told me to, you know, keep those things to myself. And I, there's a reason why I don't. But before I kind of get into some of my own things that I've been open about, you know, how did you first get into talking about these things? So, you know, I, I can uh, remember struggling with mental health uh, since my freshman year of high school. And, uh, you know, it was, it was something that uh, really amped up when I got into college, uh, started comparing myself to other people, um, you know, the pressures of being good enough, you know, not only in a career form, but, uh, you know, also also in an educational form. And, and that's something that, you know, I realized that, you know, my anxiety was attached to was feeling good enough. And, you know, if, if I didn't get the grade uh, that I wanted, you know, I felt like I didn't feel good enough not only to my professor, but to my teachers and, or I'm sorry, to my parents. And, you know, that would reflect badly on my career. And, um, you know, also just the, the, how tough just regular society is with, with social media and being able to see other people, you know, maybe doing things that you've always dreamed of, or, you know, comparing your life to other people's. But at, at the end of the day, social media is just a highlight reel. People just post what they want you to see. And it's not really, uh, maybe how they feel on the surface. And, uh, that, that's something that, uh, I really wanted to use my voice to talk about because, you know, it, it, I, I started off my podcast, Iggy Sports Talk, talking about, you know, trades, you know, regular regular sports media type of things that, that you see on ESPN or any other sports network. And I wanted to find a way to differentiate myself and talk about something that I was very passionate about. And uh, I, I had always been very interested in the deeper parts of sports uh, and being able to connect that uh with with some of the uh journeys of different athletes and uh, business professionals be, being able to really showcase uh people being able to live their dreams and overcome these struggles um has been super fascinating for me and very inspiring for me as well uh and it's been amazing to you know get different responses of you know this video helped me and you know when i was down you know when when i saw some of your content it made me feel all better and that's what that's what i do it for and, you know, th there's some days where, you know, I'm feeling down and, you know, I don't I don't sometimes want to make content, but I still do it because uh, if I'm able to help others through my experience and, you know, through telling other people's stories as well, uh, I've, I feel like uh, at the end of the day, I I'm happy on how I'm serving the world through my voice. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, I think you talk about how, you know, in the social media era, you see people's highlight reel and everyone looks cooler on, on social media than they mm -hmm. actually are. And, you know, you, you have no idea what someone struggles with on a day-to-day -day basis, but I think one of the most like highlight reel professions is broadcasting because behind the scenes, it's so hard and such a struggle. And there are tons of people in broadcasting who struggle with mental health. I mean, the profession's almost designed in a way that damages your mental health. I mean, you know, and it just, just, the, just the way it works, the pressure, the rejection, you know, everything, the weird lifestyle, you know, it's so many people in broadcasting struggle with mental health, but then it's something that looks so cool on the surface. Right. And, and so again, you know, I, I think it's, and there, there are in a lot of different, you know, prestigious careers, there's so much pressure to maintain this perfect image. And mm -hmm. You know, I think it's good to open up about how it's it's okay to to struggle with certain things. Um, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, like for me, I recently started talking on you know my podcast about child abuse um, because 
you know, I experienced that as a child. My mother was severely mentally ill um, when she started abusing me. And, you know, my father didn't feel comfortable throwing her out of the house because he thought she might take her own life. And so, you know, a family therapist recommended that he take care of my mother full time and send me to boarding school. So when I was 16, after, you know, years of abuse, it was like, surprise, you don't live with your parents anymore full time. And that's something even as a 30 year old, I still struggle with. And what people don't realize is that, you know, kids who are abused, that fucks with your head for the rest of your life. There are, you know, adults who commit suicide because they're still spooked out by things that happened to them in their childhood. So the reason I've chosen to use my platform to talk about it is to help people who are going through similar things. So they don't feel disgusting or like they're some mm-hmm. type of freak, you know, or some type of outcast because when you're sent away from home in your teenage years, and a lot of people do feel that way. Um, but yeah. And, it, and I think, you know, a cool thing about podcasts is you can talk about various things like on TV or the radio, you have a set role. Like when mm-hmm. I'm on ESPN, it's sports podcasts can be whatever the fuck you want them to be as can social media. Um, and so I think it gives you more of a, a platform to be, you know, kind of a human being. And I don't get me wrong. I love the stuff I do in pro sports, the stuff I do on TV, but you know, the social media and the podcasts where I'm able to be the most real, um, but, you know, kind of transitioning away from that, you know, as far as things you've done in your career, as far as, you know, um, you know, the teams you worked with, you know, what are some of your, your long-term goals? Or are you more just kind of playing it by ear as far as what type of broadcasting work? Um, my long-term goals at, at the moment, um, I, I would love to be sort of in the same role that I'm with the Pirates uh, in one of the major leagues. Uh, I, I loved being able to uh, be the uh, center person or the middleman between the behind the scenes of what's going on on the team and the fans. And I, I think you can relate to that too as, as a broadcaster and a sideline reporter, being able to get the inside scoop and help fans gain a deeper connection with their favorite players and with their favorite team. You know, at the end of the day, I, I, I grew up as a sports fan. And so being able to uh, help those fans fall more in love with their team and their players when, you know, helping them uh, learn more about the human being off the field and how they prepare or, you know, what they do off the field. And I I think that'll make players a lot more likable. And so being able to do that and as well as see the reactions of some of the players uh, when they have these interactions with fans, that was my favorite part throughout this Pirates season. And so being able to do that would be incredible. And, uh, you know, also just being able to uh, do a podcast or a talk show and, you you know, talk about some of these deeper uh sort of subjects uh, for living would be incredible. And being able to inspire people on a bigger level um, is, is one of my biggest dreams. And, you know, being able to you know talk to people about like yourself or, you know, athletes or, or just any regular people who have struggled uh, with whether it's it's abuse or mental health struggles, suicide, uh, anything, uh, just, just being able to look at these social issues, not so much as something that we need to be quiet about and not talk about, but something that we can use our experiences to help others learn fo- from their own experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, right now, I think the most powerful platform are probably podcasts and social media. Yeah. You know, they, they've kind of taken over, you know, at one point in time, it was linear media, you know, TV, newspapers, whatever. Uh, Things have shifted away from that. And, um, you know, we're more in the, you know, social media um, generation. I think also, though, 
you know, when we talk about sports specifically, there are a lot of, there's a stereotype about what athletes are like. And, and so, for example, you know, years back, there was the Miami Dolphins bullying scandal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the Richie Incognito, the, a white player, was calling his teammate Jonathan Martin the N-word. I mean, threatening to rape his sister, doing saying and doing all kinds of horrific things. And Jonathan Martin ended up checking himself into a hospital um, because he just had a complete mental health crisis. And some people said, you know, they didn't believe the story because they said an NFL lineman, both Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin were linemen. They said an NFL lineman cannot be bullied. And I mean, I never played in the pros, but I played sports in college. Bullying happens on sports teams all the time, whether it's, you know, certain kids, people on the team who are, you know, a transfer who don't have many friends who get targeted to freshmen, freshman hazing, um, you know, all kinds of different things. Bullying is actually really common with athletes. There's a stereotype that only certain types of people get bullied. And there's a stereotype that only certain types of people have mental health issues. And that, you know, anxiety and depression are not things that professional athletes struggle with. It, again, couldn't be further from the truth. And I think also people don't realize that professional athletes are, are real people. Yep. You know, they view like Tom Brady, for example, people view him as an action figure. He had to, you know, take an extended time away from training camp to deal with personal matters. I don't want to speculate on what he's going through, none of my business, but, you know, he had to take time away from training camp to to deal with personal matters. And, you know, the thing I've learned, you know, when I've interviewed, you know, some of my most high-profile interviews, and I've interviewed, you know, Michael Strahan, Joe Namath, people like that, don't talk to them like they're an action figure. Just talk to them like they're a human being, because at the end of the day, that's what they are. Um, and so there's, there's a misconception that, you know, mental health, bullying, these things don't in, don't exist in sports. They they absolutely do. Couldn't agree more. And and that's one of my favorite things to to be able to help uncover and, you know, talk about these things uh, because, you know, it, especially, you know, in football, you know, you know, it, you, you brought up, you know, certain athletes can't get bullied. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, with with men having feelings or, or showing vulnerability. You know, you, you get called soft uh, or grow up or toughen up. Uh, you know, throw some dirt on it. And, you know, that's just not really the case anymore. And, and it's great that it's becoming uh, a lot more uh, socially acceptable for people to talk about these things. And I, I think it's so important, especially in this day and age when, you know, s- somebody like you and I can easily just tweet at whatever athlete and, and let them know how we feel. And, you know, they could see that right before a game and that could really impact, you know, their career, you know, they could lose money over it and, uh, you know, different things like that. And, uh, especially being able to have the conversation is the most important thing. And uh, that's one of the biggest things that, uh, especially as, uh, you know, reporter or broadcaster, that's where I really try to take into account, uh, especially if, uh, you know, I'm I'm giving constructive criticism to a player is that, you know, they're a human being as well. They have feelings as well. You know, they, they could have played that crap on the field, but, you know, me, me uh, putting them down and acting like they're not a human being that has feelings that could potentially see this um is something that i always try to take into account and you know fans got to do the same exact thing as well yeah and it's funny because you know some people think that there is no line that yeah there there are no lines that you know are are there basically there there's nowhere where you draw the line when it comes to what you say to athletes at sporting events that was a big Mm -hmm. thing with uh you know Kyrie irving in the postseason when they played against the celtics i went to one of those games i mean he got absolutely torched um, no question about it, but 
you know, also, um, you know, some people might wonder, you know, kind of going back to your time in college, you know, you know, you didn't initially study um, broadcasting in college or know that you wanted mm-hmm. to be a broadcaster. And broadcasting is funny because in certain professions, there's a set path. You know, if you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean the medical school is easy. A lot of people can't do it. It's very hard. but there's a, there's a, you at least know what the path is mm-hmm. to get to being a doctor easier said than done, but you know what the path is. There's no set path in broadcasting. There are, you know, broadcasters of masters in journalism. There are broadcasters who didn't get a bachelor's, you know, there are, you know, all different types of broadcasters. There are freelancers, there are full-time and it's, it's not an exact science. Um, but you know, how did you first get interested in doing what you're doing? So I, I, for the first two years of college, I, I was a business major. And then uh, it, it was funny. I'll never forget the day. I, I remember um, going into my junior year, uh, thought about it. Um, I was trying to figure out an uh, internship going into my junior year. And I had no clue. I was like, you know, I like communications, marketing. And uh, that's when I sort of had the realization that I don't know what I want to do. And then I, I sort of had this epiphany. I remember it was at like 2 a.m. And I was like, it'd be really cool to, you know, wake up every day and talk about sports. And, you know, I, I would always read Bleacher Report. And that's mainly how I got a lot of my news. And I'm like, you know, if I was able to write, write every day about what was happening in sports, that'd be pretty incredible. And uh, I'm always I've always been somebody who, you know, throughout my baseball career, I, I was always doubted. And um, I, I sort of allowed that to fuel my motivation. And it sort of had the same thing happen when I started my sports career. You know, I. I changed my major. Luckily, it was very easy. I was able to transfer a lot of the classes. But my advisor said to me, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you to find a job out of college. It's very competitive. I want to let you know that you're starting late um, and that you're behind everybody. And I took that as a challenge. And I, I looked at it and I said, you know, it's as politely as possible, give me a year and watch. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, I, I went out and started Iggy Sports Talk because there was, there was no real way for me to gain experience at Plymouth State. Uh, that's where I went to college. You know, they they had one or two broadcasters and all the all the openings were, were closed. And so, you know, I worked for the athletic department, joined, joined the radio station. As I mentioned, started my own podcast. I, I was writing articles, posting stuff every day, you know, trying to really learn my craft. And it's, it's pretty funny, you know, looking back at, you know, my first stuff, I bet you can uh, attest to this, you know, looking back at your first stuff, you laugh a little bit, but it's pretty incredible to, you know, see the path and the journey of how far, you know, you can come uh, in, in a year's time. And um, especially one of the biggest things that I learned was always being curious and, you know, always wonder, you know, what might be out there. And, you know, I, I joined the sports management club, was able to meet tons of great people there, but um, especially, you know, being able to get in the role that I'm I'm currently in right now with the pirates, you know, I, I had a five month stretch where I couldn't find a job and it was, it was really difficult for me, especially, you know, during COVID um, still being able to build up my craft. And, you know, I had to take an unpaid internship with the Nashville Silver Knights. They're a collegiate baseball team, but I was a color broadcaster and I didn't get paid for it, but I, I loved what I was doing. And luckily I was able to, you know, return to that team, had the opportunity to be on Nesson, something that I had always dreamed of. But, um, you know, after, you know, that season end, ended right after I graduated, I felt tons of pressure. Like I had to get a job right out of college because, you know, I was seeing all these people on LinkedIn, you know, getting their first paychecks, you know, and I felt like sort of honestly like a failure right out of college if I didn't have a job. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have known about the Massachusetts Pirates if I didn't ask you about it. And, you know, I, I, I sent their co-owner and founder, Jawadi team, an email, a cold email. And 
got an interview the next week. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, you can look on teamwork online, you can look on LinkedIn, you can apply for all these jobs, but you know, sometimes if you're just curious and you look around you and, you know, you send these cold emails, sometimes an opportunity arises that you might not know. Yeah. And it's always really fluky and, and random and there, there's a lot of luck involved, but you know, you, you make your own luck by shooting, shooting a lot of shots, Yeah, but it, it is tough also because, you know, the starting pay is, in broadcasting, it's honestly worse than than McDonald's because, yeah. you know, there's so many unpaid internships or freelance gigs when you get paid six months, six months late. So, you you know, and, and tons of people trying to break into the profession live with their parents. And so, you know, if you compare yourself to someone in a nine to five job, you're going to feel like shit. Yeah. And, and, and th- there's nothing wrong with, you know going the route of a nine to five job if that's what you want to do but you just have to realize you live in a completely different world you mm-hmm. know as a broadcaster um and so you know and as as you get older maybe your priorities shift a little bit but y- you know it's it's possible also to kind of adjust as life goes on while maintaining your passion you know it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be one or the other but it's it's tricky and it's it's not easy and it puts a major strain on a lot of other parts of your life. And, you know, it, I mean, it, it for me personally, you know, I don't have any regrets about any of the sacrifices I've made, but it, it really has worn on me. Um, and so, um, again, and it's and it's tough. And, and if you get advice from the wrong people when you're going through those tough times, it'll ruin your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again... I, I think more than anything, you know, if you really want to make it in broadcasting, the most important thing is your ability to, you know, withstand the lifestyle and, and have the right mindset. Because I've seen tons of people who are good at broadcasting but can't handle what comes with it. And that's one of the main reasons why people who get their foot in the door in the industry eventually drop out. And I th- I think you the, the one word that you mentioned there that is so important, not only in broadcasting, but just in life is the mindset that you have. And, you know, especially, you know, when, uh, you know, I was looking for a job, couldn't find it. And even even now, you know, when there, there's some days where, you know, I, I don't want to go into work, you know, I, I have to have gratitude for where I'm at. Yeah, I've got to have gratitude for the opportunities I currently have. And, uh, you know, I, I could be, you know, as you mentioned, working at Dunkin Donuts. You know, I, that, that's where I worked for seven years uh, pr- prior to getting the job with the Pirates. And um, I always look back at those days and, you know, be grateful that I'm doing something that I've always dreamed of doing. And especially, uh, you know, something that has, has really helped me is positive affirmations. You know, your, your brain is, is a computer. So what, what you tell yourself and, and, and how you speak to yourself pretty much programs uh, the self-talk that you have. And so if you say, I'm not creative, I'm dumb. You know, you're going to believe that. And so sometimes some things that, uh, you know, I start my day with to make sure that I start my day on a positive note is, you know, writing those positive affirmations. I am smart. I am creative. um, I am strong. I am powerful. And, you know, being able to have that self-belief and have that self-confidence at the end of the day is just, you know, not only so important in our industry, but just in life in general and not being able to allow, uh, you know, the outside world or the external forces to really bog you down. 100% 100% and and you know most of your thoughts are are subconscious so yeah when it comes to mindset you really have to program your brain and different people do that differently you mentioned you know writing down po- things that you know positive affirmation i think for me one big thing is you know who i surround myself with so mm-hmm. if you surround yourself with people who don't believe you and mock your goals you're going to start to internalize that so right. surround yourself with the right people keep your circle incredibly small and 
And at times, you know, you just have to have tunnel vision. And it's one thing that works for me. You talked about writing things down. I watch a lot of YouTube and TikTok and, you know, Instagram videos and, you know, watching people, you know, with similar mindsets talk about their mindset. So mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, high achievers in any profession, people talking about goal setting, shooting your shot, not being afraid of failure. You know, I watch a lot of videos of people talking about that and that subconsciously programs your brain. And, you know, I, when it comes to mental health, you know, I watch lots of, you know, videos of people, you know, far more well-known than I am, you know, opening up about things they've, they've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so again, it, it's all about programming your brain and, you know, certain things like social media posts, YouTube videos, song lyrics, those are things that subconsciously program you. And a lot of people are influenced by things that they aren't even aware of. So right. you have to be really conscious of what you feed your subconscious. And I think that's how you program a certain mindset. Um, so yeah, no, 100%. And, and it's all about programming your brain a certain way. Um, and you know, when you're thrown off course a little bit and, you know, you have to reprogram yourself, it's not easy, but that's part of life. And sometimes you have to make those transitions. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, one, one practice that, you know, we talked about writing things down that, you know, has honestly changed my life is manifestation. I I honestly don't believe that I would have the role that I have right now with the pirates. If if I hadn't manifested it, uh, you know, a year prior, you know, I was writing down, you know, every day, I am a digital reporter or a team reporter for a sports team or a network. And uh, I, I, I do, I, do 15 different things with the I am, I have. And right at the bottom, I say, it's already happened. Time just hasn't caught up yet. And it's easy because at the end of the day, it is easy. If, if you if you trick your mind that in believing that it's easy, then it's going to be easy. But if you trick your mind saying, you know, it's going to be a tough road, it's going to be really hard, even though it might be, it's all about how you paint the picture. And in reality, like you're the one that paints the picture through your two eyes. Nobody else does. You're the only one that controls that. And so um, manifestation has just been so huge for me. You know, I also have a vision board as well. And uh, when I have those down times or, you know, when I'm when I'm not as confident as, as some days, uh, I use those things to rejuvenate my motivation. And um one other thing that has like really helped me, you know, through a lot of tough times or, you know, wanting to rush the process or rush the journey is, you know, you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And everything around you is happening exactly how it's supposed to, because we want to try and control everything. But at the end of the day, you know, you you can't take a time machine and go into the future, because I bet you uh, when you get to where you want to be, you're still going to ha- keep on having goals and, and things that you're like, damn, I wish I was there. You know what I mean? And in at the end of the day, like I mentioned, you're the only one that controls that. Things are things are never going to be perfectly in order, you know. And, and, and have you seen the movie Click? I have. Yeah. So funny. My cousin Mark O'Keefe is a filmmaker. He actually wrote the script for Click and also that's cool. uh, Bruce Almighty as well. But I, that's not why I bring it up, though. The reason I bring up Click is because you know Adam Sandler's character in that movie. Well, actually, he has a remote control for his brain and he'll fast forward through moments he doesn't like and fast forward to his next promotion. And then, um, you know, the remote control just starts fast forwarding against his will up to the point of his death. But but it is true, though, that, you know, you have to live in the moment and appreciate every day. Mm -hmm. And. You know, you only you only have one life and things are never going to be perfectly in order. If you think 
And I've been in that situation so many times. Like when I transferred colleges, my last semester at my, you know, my last semester at my my first school, I remember thinking, you know, I just can't wait to transfer. I can't wait to transfer. I transferred. It was the right decision. I had a good experience at my second school, but there were still plenty of things I struggled with at my second school. And, you know, and it's just, again, you know, and people think, you know, oh, if I get to the highest level, everything will be perfect. There are even more problems at the highest level. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in broadcasting, it's very hard to get to the highest level. It's also hard to stay there, you know, and, and you could easily get to the highest level, lose your opportunity, end up right back where you started. So, and that's something that, like, honestly has, I've tried to keep in mind lately. You know, I've gone through kind of a, a tough stretch. Um, you know, I've made some career transitions. I've made some, some personal transitions and, you know, I've been kind of, kind of down on myself a little bit lately, but I've kind of tried to keep in perspective. Okay. Think about where I am now versus where I was early on in my career. And, you know, there are certain things that I, certain goals that I want to reach within the next year, but I have to take things one day at a time because if you're always thinking of what's next, it gets to the point where like you're not even in the room. Mm-hmm. You know that yep. feeling. And somebody, someone will say something to you and you'll be like, were you saying something? I mean, you're just not even in the room, you know, and, and you have to, you have to be present and live in the moment. And, and sometimes it's harder than others, but no matter what you go through, if you're not present, you're only going to make things worse for yourself. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I mean, especially, uh, you know, with those goals, um, just just realize that yeah you know going through the process like it's about it's about the it's about the process and the journey not the destination because at the end of the day you know once you get there you know looking back you're going to appreciate all those ups and downs that you had and um one one of my favorite things to do and you know you know I I try to do this you know every few months but it usually happens at the end of the year is uh you know where was I on January 1st and where am I today and especially in, in a year's time, it's pretty crazy. But you you could even do the same thing for six months, uh, a month, or even a few weeks. And, um, you know, really being able to take that time to be proud of yourself, I think, is so important because we're our biggest critics. I mean, especially for you and I being on camera. I mean, we are literally the only people who notice our, uh, you know, you know, little mess ups or mistakes or, or in th- in, if you showed it to somebody else they'd be like i didn't even see that well it, did you see like my, my eye twitch right there or something I, my hand was like that and you know, you're the only person that realizes that but uh especially being able to not only be nice to yourself but take that time to be proud of yourself is and reflect is one of the best things that you can do for yourself oh yeah 100 and and uh, you know i i mean i struggle with that where you know, I always focus on the negatives and not the positives. Even if things are mostly positive, I focus on the negatives. And you talk about being your own toughest critic. Like, I beat the shit out of myself when it comes to my on-camera stuff. Like, no one can rip me harder than I rip myself. And it's just such a double-edged sword because, like, that mindset is what's gotten me to where I am today. But it's also detrimental to your mental health. And it, mm-hmm. I think it's something a matter of be passionate, hold yourself to a high standard, but harness that passion. And that's really hard to do if you're really passionate to be able to harness it is is really hard, but it's it's very important. And, and, and you, you know, you brought up surrounding yourself with the right people. And I, I think being able to have those cheerleaders around you is so important because, you know, you're supposed to be your biggest cheerleader. That That's something that we always strive to be. But especially in some of those moments when we're critical on ourselves, 
it's tough to, you know, look at the bright side and being able to have some of those people, you know, when you're, you're looking over some of your on-camera stuff or, you know, any, anything that you're really doing, um, being able to have those people that are able to flip your mind into looking at the positive perspective is so important because sometimes, you know, how you're looking at things, you're blocking yourself from that other viewpoint and, you know, being able to have those people, you know, you know, if you're interviewing a player, like, think about it. You, you've always dreamed of interviewing this one player. You've always dreamed of doing this. And, you know, especially for you and I, you know, things we, we, we wake up and do this almost every day. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's like second nature to us. And, and so, you know, we forget being that, you know, five-year-old or 10-year-old kid of, you know, watching these ESPN broadcasters, these armed camera personalities and thinking, you know, that I want that to be me. And so, you know, being able to channel your younger self and, you know, think, what would they think of um doing right now? And uh, you know, trying to you know channel that is is so important. But you know, also having those supportive people around you is is, in my opinion, the most important thing. Yeah, and and having perspective is good. I mean, it's funny because like I remember when I first finished college, I did a post grad internship at the Boston Herald because I I you know I couldn't I couldn't get a job at a college, so I did you know as a post grad an unpaid internship. And it was like a six month contract. I was hoping it would eventually lead to a job. But then the day after my internship ended, the Boston Herald laid off 80% of their employees. So they're like, we just laid off like people who've been working here for 25 years. We're not going to give you a job as a, you know, 20, 23 year old or whatever I was at the time. And so I remember, and, and the way the timing worked out, it was too late for me to apply for certain jobs as like a, broadcaster for college sports like all the colleges with you know nesson contracts and espn contracts had done their hiring months before so for like a few months i just sat around doing nothing and the one gig i had i i did division two basketball um for american international college in springfield for free um i was the play-by-play guy i did it for free and they didn't even have a tv contract they were on facebook live and their campus was two hours away from my apartment. So I drove two hours each way, four hours round trip once a week to do division two basketball on Facebook live for free. And then the rest of the time just sat on my ass. And, you know, and, and I just remember being so depressed and I remember watching, you ever seen the TV show love. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember watching that and there's, that friend of the main character who is unemployed and to make money, he rents out his apartment and sleeps in his car. And again, this was, I wouldn't say his situation was the same as mine. I had just finished an internship at the Boston Herald, but I was so depressed. I remember watching that episode and being like, that guy is me. That's what I'm doing with my life. And that's how down I was on myself, which there are situations were not the same at all, but that's how down I was on myself. That's how I felt about myself. So to go from that to, you know, now, you know, in the past years, my first year doing, you know, regular work on ESPN, I had a podcast that was my other podcast that I was doing last year that was in the top 1% of most downloaded podcasts in the world. I got to interview Michael Strahan. I got to interview Joe Namath, um, you know, and I, um, yeah, I got to do all those things. I did the stuff with the Pirates on Nessun. I mean, last year was the best year of my career. And you know, if I go back to when I was sitting on my couch watching Love unemployed, I would have loved to be in the position I'm in now. So yeah. you have to keep that in perspective, you know, and mm -hmm. 
I am going through a little bit of a you know career and professional transition. Um, you know, I won't get into details, but that podcast um, that I was doing, you know, we decided that it was in the best interest of everyone involved to shut it down. Um, and you know, I went through that while breaking up with my ex girlfriend. So it was a really really tough mental transition, you know, or transition psychologically, but. Again, you just have to keep in perspective where you are and where you were and where you will be at some point, but you mm-hmm. still have to go through the day-to-day grind and, and not avoid it. And all those moments at the end of the day made you stronger. And, you you know, now when, you know, hopefully, you know, you, you don't have to deal with it, you know, in the future. But but now if you have to, you know, you know, you, you'll look back on that experience and, and be able to take those lessons. And, and, and even even if you don't have to deal with that, you know, you you'll have those lessons for the rest of your life and it'll it'll help you um, be able to be better tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you know, t- talking about my journey, you know, I, I went four months working at Dunkin Donuts and I was working with like 15 year olds as as a 22 year old. And, you know, that perspective of just being grateful that I had a job and, you know, even, even the most simplistic thing of, you know, that you woke up this morning, that's, that's the easiest, you know, yay, I made the day that you woke up because, you know, there's, there's some people who are, are blind, don't have, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes, and, you know, being able to look those simplistic, some simplistic things, um, and being able to have that perspective will, will help you be a more grateful person at the end of the day. And um, I, I think especially some of some of the downtimes are where the biggest lessons happen. And, you know, the, the, it, life's a roller coaster. There's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, you could be at your highest highs and then tomorrow be at one of your lowest lows. But um, at the at the end of the day, it'll, it'll all make you stronger. And, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, I, I love talking about the journey of, you know, some people because uh, th- there's a lot of people who who don't get into their top position or, or where they've always wanted to be um, until, you know, they're 35, 40. And, you, you know, it, especially now with social media, I feel like age is something that is a lot more focused on. You know, now I'm looking at myself, I'm 23 years old. How are other people who are 23 years old? And you try to compare, but everybody's journey is different. Everybody's life's different. Everybody's, um, you know, especially the, the, um, the resources that you have, you know, the, what you grow up with, all that's different. And that's what makes you who you are. And that that's at the end of the day, you know, you, you and I are, are have the same profession and, you know, th- there's other people who do too, but everybody's journey is different. And that's what makes everybody special at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, and yeah. And again, you, you know, everyone has their own pace. Um, you know, if you're, you, you know, you have to make decisions based on what's best for you, not what you see around you, mm-hmm. um, 100%. But, um, you know, before we wrap things up, um, you know, I know we, you've done some stuff with the the Sox, the Pirates. I know you're also a big Pats fan. I mean, what do you think about the Pats' upcoming season? It's going to be interesting, um, you know, it's especially, you know, with with all the hoopla going on, on around who's going to call the offensive plays. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see Mac Jones in his second year. Um, very excited, especially, you know, with, with – uh, a, a more legit uh, number one that the Patriots than the Patriots have had in a little bit in Devontae Parker. He, obviously, he's not a number one when you compare him to other NFL teams, but um, especially with you know a revamped defense, you know they're they're going to be uh, putting a lot of pressure on some of these younger guys, and so how are they going to be able to step up? But you know, at the end of the day, I've always gone by the same exact uh, sort of model of Bill. We trust he's he's the best head coach of all time, and um, he's he's somebody who knows what he's doing. And, you know, even if the Patriots don't make the playoffs or, you know, they have a losing record, uh, 
at the end of the day, I'm somebody who's 23, who's, who's grown up with 20 years of massive success. And uh, you, especially in New England, one of the toughest uh, sports towns uh, to be able to please. Uh, I'm somebody that's just grateful that, you know, we, we were able to win all those Super Bowls and, you know, just excited for what's going to be happening. But um, especially with the AFC East uh, being in my opinion, the most competitive it's been in uh, you know 10 to 15 years. Uh, very excited to see sort of how it all stacks out. Ultimately, I, I think that, you know, the Bills are, are going to ultimately win the division. I see the Pats squeaking out the Dolphins a little bit. You know, I still need a little bit more um, of, of Tua Tungavailoa to, to really show me that he's an NFL caliber quarterback. You know, you can give him Tyreek Hill, you know, he, he, can, he can, you know, stay after practice and put in, put a little bit more work in, but I, I need to see it on the field. You, you know, you're, you're somebody who is one of the most touted prospects going into that draft. And Justin Herbert is, is ma making it look like a, a massive flop for, for the dolphins, not picking him. And so, um, and, and then, you know, so I think it's going to go bills, Patriots, dolphins, and then ultimately jets uh, at, at the bottom. But um they're, they're coming. The Jets had a very good draft, so they're definitely coming. But, uh, you know, sticking with the Patriots, I, th I think, you know, we, we could see them go 10 and 7, um, maybe even a little bit worse. But uh, I, I think that this is, you know, sort of, I don't want to say a transition year, but, you know, th they're still trying to figure things out. You know, John U. Smith, we didn't really get to see the full magnitude of, you know, what him and Hunter Henry can do together as, as a two tight end tandem. But, um, you know, th th I'm very excited to see how everything works out, especially with Mac Jones's development. Oh, yeah. You know, sophomore year for Mac Jones. You, you know, you said in Bill, we trust. I mean, you know, he has the, he, you know, he's grandfathered into the job. I mean, he, you mm -hmm. know, he was able to outlast Brady um, in New England. Um you know, they again, you know, one of them was going to go because the two of them couldn't work together anymore, um, you know, and he was able to outlast Brady. So it's it's his job um, as long as he wants. And I think he feels as though he pr he can prove more by winning a Super Bowl with with Mac Jones um, than he could with Brady. He's already proven that he can do that. And, and it's so funny because, like, you know, back when the Pats had Brady and Garoppolo, he wanted to go with Garoppolo over Brady, mm -hmm. and Robert Kraft made him get rid of Garoppolo. And now you look at Garoppolo; no one in the NFL wants him, so he's stuck on the 49ers as a backup. But Belichick wanted to prove that the Patriots won Super Bowls because of him, you know, not Brady. So whether it's Garoppolo, you know, Mac Jones, you know, Jawad Yatim, whoever is going up at quarterback, <laughs> you know, Belichick wants to prove that it's his system and not individual players. But yeah, Belichick's grandfathered in, so you know we'll see what he can do and how much longer he wants to keep going. Um, but once again, everyone, you have been listening to the Leverett Ball Show, and thank you to Jake Ignazuski for uh, for joining us. Um, you know, as I said, I don't fuck up names. You know, I'm not going to call him Jake Ignazuski. Blah blah blah. You know, it's <laughs> Jake Ignazuski. I've had my name fucked up a lot over the years. I'm not going to do that to anyone else. But once again, you have been listening to the Leverett Ball Show.